0: So happy Father's Day. Great day. Great day. Great day to be a dad. Great day to focus on positive things that dad do, dads do. Great day to forgive dads <laughs> for mistakes and sins and failures. Great day to celebrate the daddiness of God the Father. Great day. Fatherhood, everybody agrees, is an important dynamic for health. Health, health for children. Everybody agrees on that. It's a reminder that U.S. Census Bureau has determined that in America, almost 24% of children, that's 17.4 million children, live in father-absent homes. That's a grief to our hearts, isn't it? Especially in light of the fact that involved dads improve their children's overall emotional and social well-being. They do. And that children with involved dads are less likely to be mistreated. And adolescent boys with absent fathers are more likely to engage in delinquency than those fathers who are present with their sons. Here's a popular one among the moms, involved dads reduce mom's parenting stress. (laughs) And children who live with their dads, have their dads in their lives, statistically do better in school. Everybody agrees that it's a good thing when dads do well. And everybody also agrees that there is a poverty level experience among many, many children of dadness, imparting positive dadness to their children. I want to submit to you today that there's an answer to that. There's a secret weapon for Dads in, a, in the Christian culture, bloodbought dads. There's a secret weapon that is a a, a a positive force, a catalyst for amazing dadness. And that secret weapon is that the secret weapon to being a good father is to be a good son. To the the degree that we as males, as guys, well, gals too. To the degree that we receive and believe and experience the manifest goodness of God in an ongoing way in our lives. Out of that experience, that manifestation of the Father's goodness to us flows all kinds of positive things and for, for guys, it, out of that flows uh, great dadness to our sons, our daughters, and our grandkids, great grandkids and kids in the church life. I want to give you at the end of this talk an opportunity to get started in your relationship with your dad in heaven if you don't have one. I'm excited about that, coming soon. But the manifest goodness, the manifest goodness of the Father is the secret weapon for great fatherhood and the change of uh, what's going on in America. Malachi 4, verse 6, prophesies the, uh, the coming of John the Baptist, who prophesied the coming of Jesus, anticipated the coming of Jesus, the Jesus revival that was going to come in the last days, according to the last verse of the last book of the Old Testament, that Jesus revival is going to be marked by one singular cool reality. And it's not falling down on the floor in the, under the power of God, although that's awesome. It's not tears of repentance, though that's awesome. Mark of revival is coming with the Jesus experience is not signs and wonders, although that, that's also awesome. But the singular thing that Malachi refers to in anticipation of the coming of Jesus is, my friends, the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children and the children to the, to the fathers. That's the sign of the Jesus revival that all of the Old Testament culminates in that one verse. The power to be a great dad is to get connected through Jesus with God the Father. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father only two or three times. In the New Testament, over 200 times. And he's not just the Father of Jesus Christ. He is fully the Father of us. And the same Jesus that said, the Father lives in me ongoingly, and I live in him, ongoingly, blood-bought for you and me, that ongoing experience of the Father that equips us to be great Jesus people and for dads to be great dads. I love the fact that Jesus' blood-bought for us the possibility Of living in God's presence all the time. Are you Trinitarian? I hope so. And in the dance of my relationship with God, I do my very best to let God lead the dance of revelation to me. Sometimes he displays himself to my inner world in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's God the Son that is the manifest presence of God with me. Sometimes it's God the Father. And it's, some, and it's God is often in charge of that revelation in the course of my day and course of my life. But knowing God as Father is so important. I want to tell you that probably the singular most powerful thing I could ever share with you for your victory in your life and joy in your life is this what I'm going to say now, that you, in a consistent, continual, moment-by-moment way, that you, in a consistent, continual, and moment-by-moment way, are aware of the presence of God in your life. That simple, simple secret, especially as it relates to God as Father, is a uh, wonderful reality for us. You'll have less fear, you'll have less worry, you'll have less anxiety, you'll have way, way, way more, my friends, way more, Sense of direction from God and leading from God in ministry, you'll have way more supernatural joy because in His presence, His fullness of joy. And I know that this joy theme is one that we're we're uh, really we're really emphasizing in this season. And I'm not going to change the subject until the Holy Spirit does. But during this season of trauma in the culture, it is. In this season that God is wanting to say, like John in the book of Revelation, in the spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit, anxiety, pressure, stress, and fear are never going to be on the front burners. John said in Revelation, do not damage the oil and the wine by putting it on the back burner of your life. Always keep the oil and the wine, symbols of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, always on the front burner. This passage that we're looking at in 1 Peter chapter 1, the context of these first few verses that we're going to be talking about in just a moment, the context is Peter totally saying, Blessed be God the Father. He is so happy in the joy of the Father presence of the father and he says even though we're going through stuff that causes us grief we rejoice in a mega way the greek word is mega we mega rejoice with supernatural unction we mega rejoice and in the same context this passage in verse 8 says that we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's supernatural joy. And in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And that's why I say in in a consistent way, in a continual way, in a moment-by-moment way, the most important thing we can do To live without anxiety and fear and pressures and stresses dominating our inner world. And the most important way that we can be led by the Holy Spirit of God in our lives for ministry is to to be consciously, say consciously aware, aware. of the presence of God the Father. Or God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. I mentioned it before, when you before, when you honor one person of the Trinity, the others take it personally. <laughs> Three persons in one essence. John Wimber is one of my heroes. He uh, started the Vineyard Movement years uh, ago and was involved in, the, in a foundational way for the healing of the, in the charismatic and Holy Spirit churches of today. John Wimber was a big catalyst for that. And for years, John Wimber because he didn't have a dad present in his home. He had fatherly influences, but he didn't have a dad present in his home. He had trouble relating to God as father, to God the Father. He delighted in God the Son. He was a real Jesus person. And he shared the gospel. He won, um, during a certain years of his life, he averaged about 50 people getting saved every day of his life. Jesus, that's awesome. But Michael Green, one of the professors of the, of the, uh, gra- uh, the theological graduate school that I went to at uh, University of British Columbia, Regent College, Michael Green, British theologian, um, was a teacher there. He was friends with John Wimber, and he and, his, and, and uh, Michael Green and his wife Rosemary ministered at a certain point to John Wimber in his home Ministered inner healing related to a breakthrough for a revelation of the Father of God, the Father in His life, and everything changed uh, in one moment for John Wimber in that in that instance. And from then on, he became really rather famous for not only being a great dad to his own boys and daughters in his own life, but also many thousands of of uh, of people referred to John as a father figure in, his, in their lives. And he just seemed like a big dad, you know. He's just awesome dad. And the secret to his dad, effective dadness, was living in the presence of God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, but also this mighty, mighty revelation of God the Father rocked his world. And that enabled him and equipped him and catalyzed him to be a great dad. First Peter one, verse one through five. That's uh, what we're looking at, and my first talking point. Going to go through these rather quickly. the God, The goodness of God the Father is manifested to each of us in our own personal apostolic anointing. Say apostolic anointing. Good. 1 Peter 1 verse 1 and 2 reads, Paul, sorry, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. There it is, there's the first line. This is about God the Father, this passage. There it is, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, I, Peter, am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter has, a, has an acceptance and a celebration and a delight in his apostolic identity and in his gift mix that made him who he is in God as what Ephesians uh, 1 refers to as the poem that God is writing. Each of us is referred to as a poem that God is continuing to write. I want to submit to you this morning that that Peter, who Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, I don't know what Simon means, but I know Peter means what? It means the rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. I don't believe that that means that he was the first pope. I don't believe even that it means that as as Most theologians believe that he's referring to the confession of Christ as Lord, though I believe that that is important. But I believe that Jesus is saying when he said, You are a rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, he's referring to Acts chapter 2 when Peter preached and the church was born. 3,000 people was the beginning foundation for the whole church that continues over a billion, or two billion perhaps today. Peter. Delighted in his identity that God the Father blessed him with as the rock. What does your name mean? Do you accept it? Do you, have you asked God how to apply it? Have you asked God what the prophetic significance is of your name? Or your middle name? Find out what it is. Delight in it. Praise God for it. And... Be happy about the fact that no less than Peter's apostle The word apostle just means one who is sent. And I know there's a five-fold ministry of apostle. I know, I recognize that. There's also a specialty ministry of the people that wrote the New Testament. But I, 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 I wonder if you'd agree with me that to embrace the message of the New Testament is to embrace the notion that all of us are sent to our state, to our province, to Cappadocia, Bithynia, where, Oregon, wherever you are called to. And it's in a very practical way. You find yourself where you live. God's totally behind it, but it can be real, real practical. These guys were dispersed because of the persecution in Jerusalem, says to the dispersion. They were dispersed. They just ended up going where the jobs were, or where their family members were in other provinces. And I suspect you ended up up in the Medford area because of something practical. You were born in this area or the job opened up. Something very practical. We ended up in Medford because Brenda hated the rain in Astoria. It was too hardcore. It wasn't gentle and soft enough. there was too much of it. That was part of the decision making that God used to propel us here. It's just something really practical and easy. But wherever you are, do you accept, delight in, revel in, and thoroughly enjoy how you physically look? Are you comfortable in your own skin about your sense of humor? God likes how you look. He made you the way you look. God likes your sense of humor. He likes how you run, how you walk, how you speak in tongues. He loves how you speak in tongues. If you speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, he, he, in his mind, he loves how you would speak in tongues if you did. And how you will. Do you, are you happy with you? Or do you find yourself always comparing yourself to other people and coming up short? I didn't like my gift mix at first. I didn't like uh, the fact that I like theology so much. My other, my other Holy Spirit pastor friend didn't seem to like it that much. I, find my, I wanted to go to seminary and study theology. I, I love listening to audiobooks. I listen to, I'm listening right now to J.I. Packer, Five Minutes a Day, Systematic Theology, Regent College. I, I like it with my first cup of coffee. It's my time. I listened to Jonathan Edwards' biography for five minutes. I listened to John Wesley's journals for five minutes. Great great uh, awakening uh, preachers. Uh, George Whitfield uh, biography. Listen, I listened to John Calvin's Institutes five minutes a day for the last five years and finished it this week. I wanted to know what Calvinism really was. I decided I'm not a Calvinist. In some ways, in other ways I am totally a Calvinist. Because he's biblical in some ways, in some ways I'm very disappointed in his interpretation of stuff. but I enjoyed the study. Peter fully welcomed his personal prophetic anointing. anointing Have you? My dad blessed my pastor anointing when I was eight or nine years old. My dad did that. One of the key things that we can do as dads is to see in our children, our sons, our daughters, our grandkids, We can see stuff and we bless it with our words. I remember uh, playing the piano, practicing piano at my grandma's house. She lived uh, in a house near our house on our farm. Grandpa and grandma lived there. Grandma and Grandpa Mickelson, they lived there. And I was practicing the piano, my grandma gave piano lessons, and I overheard my dad tell my grandma in the kitchen, Danny's going to be a pastor. Now what precipitated that was a story that many of you have heard, I'll try to keep it short uh, in the repeat of it, but uh, eight or nine years old, my golden retriever I'd had since I was six, we were told got into some poison from the neighbor's sheep farm, sheep ranch across County Road 11 from our, our place, our farm, uh, and got into some coyote poison and died. And I was heartbroken. Loved our golden retriever Sandy, and one of the things I did in my grief stages of grief, I was still in denial. Of anger. I was upset, just sad, just crying all the time. I went for a walk to talk to God. As an eight or nine-year-old, walked down the trail to uh, the creek to pray, and as I was walking down the creek towards the creek on the trail through the plum, the prune trees. I looked up to heaven, I called out to God, God, I promise if you will bring Sandy, our, my golden retriever back, I will put a quarter in the offering plate every Sunday for the rest of my life. Wow. Right after I said that out loud, there was a, the dog had been gone for four days, okay? Right after I said that out loud, I heard a rustle in the bushes to my left and Sandy came, emerged. And I was overwhelmed, not just with the joy of the dog, but the joy of the manifestation of God to my eight-year-old heart. It's profound. And I, told, I went home with my dog, greatly happy, told my dad the story, and the next day or so, he told grandma, Danny's gonna be a pastor. It was a, it was a verbal blessing from my dad Huge deal. Will Smith said, I feel the great, greatest gift I can give my children is the freedom to be who they are. I would say, in God, who they are. Second point, the goodness of the Father is manifested to each of us in that we are one of the elect. Peter said in verse 2, to the pilgrims, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now most of us, when we hear the word elect, we immediately, it immediately triggers for us theological controversy. Are we a Calvinist or are we an Arminian when it comes to election? And if you don't know what either one of those are, well, good for you. <laughs> Immediately, it triggers a in conversation. We've got to discuss is God is God cho- choosing fair, my friends. I would like to uh, adjust that in this church, so that when you think of election you do not immediately gravitate towards a controversial discussion, but you gravitate and, tr- and trigger it so that, but instead you're triggered to joy, as is clear in the biblical theology in the New Testament, it's election is always and evermore linked to, linked to joyous happiness and gladness. Will you try to make that adjustment for me and for yourself? Perhaps you saw um, the fugitive movie with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, who's chasing Harrison Ford, and at one place he's chasing him through a tunnel, and Harrison Ford is supposedly had had had, was uh, accused of killing his wife, his doctor uh, doctor what doctor something, huh? Richard Richard Kimball. Dr. Richard Kimball. Remember that if you saw that movie, remember in the tunnel and before he jumps off the dam, the dam into the water, he says uh, turns to Harrison Ford turns to Tommy Lee Jones as he's being chased and says, "I didn't kill my wife." You remember what Tommy Lee Jones says? "I don't care." I, don't care. <laughs> I tell you my friends, whether you're a Calvinist or Arminian, I don't care. I don't care. What I care about is that however you define election and chosenness, it makes you happy. That's what I care about. Peter is so happy that they are elect, and so is he. Paul is so happy in Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. so happy because he has chosen us. Peter, as he's imparting this joyous election motif to his friends is refer thinking back to john 15 verse 16 where jesus says by the way you guys just so you know you didn't choose me i chose you looked him right in the eye i chose you i'm telling you my friends god the father is looking you in the eye and saying i chose you Hallelujah. and if you if you just struggle with that right now and doesn't it doesn't bring you joy you know i'm just uh, relax Just relax. Someday when you see him face to face, you will. It'll be infinitely a happy moment. You'll get it. Until then, enjoy it as best you can because it's awesome. I was chosen by my uncle to be on the T ball team. Not because I was good at baseball, but because I was loved by my uncle. Try to Pick up the analogy, okay? And then my uncle, I mean, I was lousy at at T-Ball. I was on the stars, and the last day, the last game of, I was the last out of the last game of the season in T-Ball, and I struck out. I was the last out of the whole season. And my brother on the same team, Dale, that's him on the left looking smug, He said, how could you strike out in (laughs) T-Ball? I don't know. But I want to tell you, Uncle Ray chose me to be on his team. And when he moved up to minors and sort of put that back up there for a second, please. That's our farm. That's our barn up there. And that's that's where I spent my childhood so happily. It's not a great picture. But Uncle Ray started coaching the Vikings. And he didn't choose me to be on the Vikings because I was good at t-ball. He chose me because he loved me. And then he started working in me to be a better baseball player. We won the championship that year. And I played first base. I was involved in all the I pitched. He made me good. Are you getting the picture? Hope you're getting the picture. God didn't choose you because you're gonna do good. <laughs> He chose you because he, he loved you and he's making you good. And he's making you a part of an amazing team. Third point, the goodness of God is manifested to each of us in our own special ongoing experience of the miracle of the new birth. Focus as I read these scriptures on the phrase, begotten us again, kept by the power of God and sanctification. 1 Peter 1, 2 through 5. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father, 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 Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Uh, when we look back at being born again, born from above, we look sometimes look back at something that happened in the past, but this teaches us it's something that happened in the past that continues continues to be turbo boosted by the resurrection of christ the presence of heaven in your life and the power of the holy spirit your born again experience is turbo boosted into great meaning going all the way to you to you meet god in heaven and turbo boosting you into an amazing joy in being born from above in your present moment through your life journey In the Pilgrim's Progress, that great 17th century Christian classic, Christian on his way to the celestial city is interrupted by the interpreter who shows him a wall. And on the wall, a fire is raging on one side of, of the wall, the fire of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life. And there is somebody continually trying to pour water on the fire. And it seems like once in a while it affects the raging fire, but it springs back like a birthday candle that you blow out and it comes back. It springs back even though buckets and buckets of water are being poured on it. And Christian asks the interpreter, what's this about? And the interpreter says, this is the fire of God in someone who's born again and Satan is always trying to pour water and put the fire out. But it keeps coming back, and I wanna show you why. It takes Christian Interpreter takes Christian to the other side of the wall. Another side of the wall, there's a man there pouring oil on the fire in an unseen and unobserved way that's causing the fire to continually rage in power, even though Satan is trying to put it out. I submit to you, my friends, that the secret to your Christian lifestyle and Christian victory is not trying to become a better Christian and a better person, try to revamp the old man, the old person, but to recognize if any person be in Christ, they are a brand new creature. And that God, the Holy Spirit, although Satan will always in warfare try to put the fire out, God is always going behind in a, in a, in a, in a, sometimes, unobservable way but he's putting oil on your fire and you are gonna win because of that you are victorious not because of your efforts to be a better person but because you're a brand new person that god is pouring the oil oil on your fire about um i need to finish my friends here's a cool thing God's at work in you, hallelujah. God's at work in those you care about, hallelujah. I could not pastor this church if I thought that it was up to me to fix you. I'd be totally discouraged. I have a strong confidence in the oil of the Holy Spirit being put on the fire that's on you in your life. I wouldn't do evangelism if I didn't believe God was at work. I prayed with a guy to receive Christ on his door, a neighbor on his porch the other day. And I made him promise to text his friend, a Christian friend that's been praying for him. And he promised me he would do that. He's very grateful. I have confidence that God's got him and is gonna put fire on it. And you know what? If someone doesn't follow up and if, that, if, if he backslides, if he's not good soil. You know what? I can't help that. It's not my problem. My job is to sow the seed of the gospel and trust God's fire to do stuff in people's lives. One of the greatest blessings I had all week after that experience was I posted a story about it on Facebook and I got a, a comment from Jack Burgoyne. You know what he said? He said, Pastor Dan... When Judy and I read the story about the guy on the porch getting saved, we both burst into tears because over 31 years ago, you came on to, up on our porch and led us to faith in Christ right on our porch, and we've been serving God for 31 years. And my friends, why is that true? I didn't do any follow-up with them. I don't know if anybody else did but I know the Holy Spirit did. Oil on the fire. Everybody say oil on, fire. oil on the fire. Stand up. Will you stand up with me? Put your hand on your heart. We declare over ourselves as if, if we're dads, we are amazing dads because we are amazing sons. And if we're not dads, if we're gals here, we declare the spirit of sonship is on the gals as well. That, And they're at home. The spirit of sonship is on you and you are an amazing person. Who you are in your own apostolic calling is beautiful and you are chosen and God is totally continually fueling your born again experience all the way to your future. We bless that in you. You serve a good, good father. That's who you are. God bless you as you go. Thanks for being with us today. Amen.